Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. Come on, kids, sit around this here fire and don't be shy. I need to tell you one story you must hear before you die. It's a story of love, true love, for a man devoted to his wife until that fateful day when those Indians take away her life. But this story gets much better, so please don't despair, because this man swears vengeance and starts collecting scalps and hair. Names Leverett Johnston, tall as a tree and strong as a bear, and he won't stop until he's eaten his share. Welcome to Talk Murder Me Podcast. That is a Game of Thrones Western cover right there for you. Uh, Coming from Ben Dan Productions. You can find that cover there on YouTube. And I got a fantastic story for you guys. Obviously, we're going out west. We're doing some Western stuff tonight. And that's enough talking for me. So why don't we just get right on to it, shall we? Welcome to Talk Murder to Me. It is now officially Turkey Month. My favorite holiday. For those of you who are sad that Halloween has passed, we are too, but it's time for Thanksgiving. And I just want to put a PSA out there that Thanksgiving is still a holiday. Absolutely. Yes. Everyone wants to skip right to Christmas. I know. It's tempting. It is. I Don't get me wrong. I love Christmas, but Thanksgiving deserves its time to shine as well. I will say for Halloween, I watched more horror movies this year than I think... Ever before. Yeah, I think I'm less affected by horror movies after doing the podcast for as long as we've been doing it. Yeah, that's true. We are drinking liver transplants. It tastes like a Swedish fish. Yeah, it does. So we didn't have a lot of the ingredients that were in the recipe, so I improvised. We had, like, some, but then it called for, like, peach, but we only had peach mint, you know, stuff like that. So Ah. it's vodka, rum... Um, peach mint whiskey, which is what we had, raspberry liqueur, almond syrup, or argot, and then um, some Deep Eddie's orange vodka because it called for some pineapple juice and orange juice, which we didn't have. Mm. So it was just more booze. So the it was liver transplant because the hint was, was it sparrow liver? Is that what you said? Crow liver. Crow liver. Well... It was either using crow or or liver. I don't know if they make a crow liver cocktail, but. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Oh, yeah. Deep Eddie orange. It was. And that bottle was courtesy of Will Lake. Will Lake. Oh, Will. Our author, resident author. Yes, and if you guys don't know, John narrated his book. That's me. And it is on Audible right now. It's called Horoscope. The book is on Audible. It's by one of our big supporters, Will Lake. He is a, he's an author. This is his first novel, and it's fantastic. And I was honored when he asked me to narrate it for him. So that is on Audible. Be sure to go and download it today. Horoscope by Will Lake, narrated by me. I think you guys are really going to like this story. It's definitely different from what you're thinking about when I say the word cannibal. No Jeffrey Dahmer? No, it's not Jeffrey Dahmer. Have you guys ever noticed that Hannibal rhymes with cannibal? Yeah, they call yes. him Hannibal the Cannibal. <laughs> yeah. That's his name. Yes, I have noticed. <laughs> oh. I think that's why they named him that. Yeah, that's why they named him that. That's what, where the character got his name. <laughs> yeah, all right, Jen. She's caught up now. Okay. Nicole. Nicole, where are we going? Who are we killing tonight? The hint is crow liver. Wait. 
Anyway, I think we're going to, I think we're going in the north, northern states this time. Mm. I'm not going to say Wisconsin because that's where Jeffrey Dahmer's from. Right? I don't know. That's, I mm-hmm. only know about Jeffrey Dahmer from the bits and pieces that we've talked about him. So I'm going to say Vermont. We're going to Vermont this evening. I have no idea. I'm making this up on the fly. So in Vermont, there is a crow who is found eating human remains after someone else has already murdered and eaten at it. So the crow is getting sloppy seconds. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they find further human remains <laughs> in the crow's liver. I don't know. Do they dissect the crow? I haven't Wait, gotten that far in my mind. Wait, but food doesn't go into your liver. Yeah, that's blood goes into your liver. Food uh, goes into your stomach. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's okay. Good try. She's a geography I'm, expert, not a yeah, anatomy. I, science was never my best subject. All right, Jim, where are we going? I'm stuck between two states. <laughs> uh, literally? <laughs> Which two states? Texas and Alaska. Holy shit, that's one extreme to the next. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think there's crows in Alaska. Yes, there are. I don't know. Well, I'm going to go with Texas because that's where my... F- that's where your heart is? <laughs> um, all my Deep exes... in the heart of Texas. All my exes live in Texas, like I'm George Strait. And my guess was similar to Nicole's where I had the thought that maybe a crow may be circling around a, like a dead body. But now I'm thinking that someone is in the wild and they live off of crows and eat their livers and they find that digested in the person. Mm, that's a good guess. And tonight's second shot is brought to you by Nipatati Gin. Hey, yo. Two shots in and half a drink in. Let's get started. Tonight, we had a bunch of people that wanted cannibalism. So, like, John, do us a gruesome story like you always do. I'm just the gruesome whore, apparently. If and I'm the drunk whore. Blood and, <laughs> blood and guts, then they call me. Well, you know what? Not tonight. All right? Mm-mm. Not tonight. Mm-mm. How I got this story situated, we're going to go through the characters in a little bit. But right now, just try to follow along. Can I ask one question? We hadn't even started yet. I know. It has a, it doesn't have to do with the story itself. Did a fan request this story or did you pick this one out? I picked this one out. Okay. But this is about cannibalism. Okay, just curious. Thank you. All right. Tonight we are talking about a man, John Johnston. We are going to Wyoming. Damn. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're going uh, here. The Rocky way you Mountains. looked at me, I was like, "Oh my god, is it Vermont?" <sighs> god, so no, we're going. Well, we're going to the Rocky Mountains, so around Wyoming and all those places right there. Mostly North. Wyoming, though. North. I got that part right. Well, not really. Not I mean, really. I know. Just let me have my small. Baby. All right. So see how it feels, Nicole. We are going to 1847 tonight. Oh. Now this is we the guy. Done an old old story in a while, except for our live show. This is the guy we're talking about right here. I'm just going to show you quick pictures of him. Go to talkmore.com to see the pictures. Wait, is this the thing that is like a thing that people talk about? What? A don- is it a Donner party? I have no idea what you're talking what? about. What? Is that Davy Crockett? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daniel Boone? Yes. Very good. It's neither of those. That's John Johnston. Oh. <laughs> oh. You've never heard of this story. Nobody who's listening to this right now has heard of this story. I can promise you oh, that. Oh, I thought this was like the thing that spawned all cannibal stories. The Donner parties? Is that not a thing? All right, so. I thought that was Dahmer. Describe this guy. Donner. Nicole, describe this guy for our listeners. Um, He's an old man with a long white beard and a wide-rimmed hat He's got a vest on, jeans, and he's holding a rifle. He's a grizzly man who's wearing a wolf on his head. Or is that a <laughs> raccoon? I think it's a wolf. No, uh, a fox? A wolf. Uh, no, it's a wolf, and then he has two raccoon hair earrings. Two raccoon tail earrings. I think it's part of the hat. He's well, a Native American headdress with a big dagger. It's not. That's not a Native American headdress. Native American headdress, don't they have feathers? 
But like, I, look I'm at not his, trying to be. Ra- I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just but, seriously asking. But look at it. The re- I was getting that context from the rest of his outfit. What he saw was the powerful build of a six footer, some 190 pounds in weight. And he had apparently not full grown. A young fellow about 20 years of age. Extraordinarily long arms hung from his thick, broad shoulders. His hair was bright auburn, worn at half length, his face full and strong with a stubble of red beard. Now you know what the guy looks like we're talking about right now. We're going to get into this a little bit, and then I'm going to go back and explain everything. So just stay with me. All right, this is 1847. This guy, John Johnston, he marries a flathead. What's a flathead? Does anybody want to take a guess what a flathead is? Um, someone from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I believe oh, those would be flat eyes. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. A flathead is is a part of the Indian tribe, the Flathead Indians. There's several oh. Indian tribes around this area, many in Wyoming at this time. Nicole, tell us about this thing that happened in 1803. Our Third place geography B can tell us what happened in 1803. Go ahead. In Wyoming? The gold rush. No. Manifest <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> what? That's way off. Manifest Destiny. 1803, Nicole. Our third place geography B. Come on. You got it. What did America do? Lewis that... and Clark. Yeah. Close. Manifest, well, the, kind manifest of. Destiny. Off the back of that. Trail of Tears. What happened before Lewis and Clark? Why did Lewis Clark... Lewis and Clark go and explore all this new land. Because they were purchasing it from the Native Americans, the, Called, the United States. <laughs> we didn't purchase anything from the Native Americans. We took it. <laughs> Manifest destiny. Oh, my God. No, They right. took ownership. We bought, we bought. All right. There's this thing called a Louisiana purchase. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shoot. <laughs> That's what I was but trying to tell you. In, in, in we go. Wyoming was part of it, though. Where we bought. Yes, it was. We bought literally half of the continental USA with the Louisiana Purchase because it was all just barren, barren, unexplored land. That is where I'm trying to tell you this story takes place tonight. We didn't buy shit from the Indians, but what that did was put Lewis and Clark and all these other people to go exploring the U.S., okay? That is where these mountain men come in, like John Johnson, what we're talking about tonight. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Let's get back to the story, and then we'll get back to that. All right. This is 1847. He marries a wife. I thought you said it was 1803. No, no. 1803 is the Louisiana Purchase. Oh, oh, got it. 1847, he marries into the Indian tribe, the Flatheads. Oh. Now, this is a fantastic fucking story. I'm so excited I'm doing this for you. He marries into this Indian tribe, the Flathead. I'm going to show you a picture of the Flathead Indians right now. Kind of reminds me of like a Dances with Wolves type story, you know? What you're seeing now is a picture of the Flathead Indians. The reason they're called the Flathead Indians is because you see their skull. They have an elongated skull. So what they do, you see this picture right here? Uh-huh. When you're born into this Indian tribe, they put a large rock on your head. Oh. And it forms shifts uh, your, bo- your, bo- like co- your bones bind, conform to that. Yeah, kind of like, like how they bind feet in China so and cool. get that long neck in the the yeah, yeah. in that African so, country. Well, you're born into this tribe. They put a large rock on your head as an infant, and it molds your head into this unique shape for your scalp, like here, where it's kind of elongated, it looks alien. So I, most, had, I just thought that was a genetic thing. No, no. It's just like in Asia where they, they pin the, the legs together yeah. and, you know, they're so small and stumpy. That I, was probably racist. I, but, but this you, is... It's very... This is very subtle. Wow. He marries into this tribe, but he... They mar- allowed that? They, they... That's a very good question. Mm. They did allow that. And the final price was one rifle, two knives, and one supply of salt and sugar. They actually bargained for three days. Quite the dowry. Most Indian tribes didn't like to marry their daughters, if you will, outside the tribe because, for example, the Frenchies, okay, literally who we bought the Louisiana Purchase from, were very mean, if you will. They mistreated the the Indian wives when they would marry into them. They would beat Mm -hmm. them. They'd stick them in the kitchen, all this stuff. (laughs) But... This Make was me different. a sandwich, woman. This, this was an American trapper, which we'll get into what a trapper is. And the Indians really respected him, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So huh. when you say like he he married into the tribe, and but they had to bargain for the 
for the, the wife. The, the, yeah. So was he accepted by them? Did he live with them? Or was it like, okay, I have my wife now. I'm going to go by. Well, yes, he had his own life and his own job. So he took the wife with him. But he did learn the flathead language, which sounds a little bit like this. He married, her name was The Swan. That was her name. Hmm. Actually, when I was in the military, there was, I met one Native American, true Native American. His name was Bear's Feet. And like on his uniform, it said Bear's Feet. Cool. <laughs> kind of like, cool. Oh, he was in, in the <laughs> Yeah, he was, Army. In a, he was, yeah, he was Native American, but his name was Bear's Feet. Wow, that's, that's cool. really cool. I wonder yeah. what percentage of our armed forces are Native Americans. I would very imagine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Few. Like, don't they kind of do their own thing? Mostly? We are. I am it's part mostly, Eskimo. It's really? mostly gang members mm -hmm. in the army. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Really? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of gang members. <laughs> what? Yeah. There's a lot of gang members because so, they, they go and they learn the tactics and all this stuff. No and they, way. They do. I promise you. Anyway, <laughs> the swan, she was, wow. she was called the swan because she... Her head was normal. She wasn't subjected to the whole rock on the head and forming the skull back. She was just a normal, you know, person. That's why they called her the swan. So was she like the chief's daughter or was she just a... Um, 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 I believe she was the sub-chief's daughter, which later became the chief, which we'll get into in a second. This okay. is very reminiscent of Pocahontas. Yes. Okay, anyway, let's get to killing somebody. I mean, let's get on with this. I know, you're getting, now, it's too romantic Can so you change with all the colors? Now, she, the, I don't know how that He takes the swan back with him to Wyoming where he Lives. stays around because he's a trapper. He traps beavers Animals. and grizzly bears. The grizz, what they call it. He so builds her reminds a cabin. me of the, the book The Revenant. I haven't seen the movie yet, but... This is the cabin that John Johnson was staying in before his death. So this most likely looked like the cabin that he built for his wife, the swan. Go to talkmore.com to see it. Wow. That's <laughs> still around today. Yeah, it's like a memorial wow. thing for him. Um, that's an, that's not bad. I mean, I would live there. The yeah, thing I'd about do that. this story, I mean, who do you think about when you hear Wild Wild West type of Will Smith? Well, no, not that, but you know, like these <laughs> yes. these uh, mountain the wild, men. Wild like, who do you think of? You think of David Bowie? You think of uh, no. or David, David Bowie? <laughs> fucking shit! You think <laughs> of um, Davy Crockett? You think of um. Those other guys, uh, Buffalo Bill, even the Brawny Man, oh, yeah, 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 the guy from the toilet, Lewis paper. and Clark, Lewis and Clark, all those people, Daniel so, Boone, Daniel Boone, that's what I was thinking of, Johnny Appleseed. Wait, he, who, which one was Daniel Boone? He was the one that wore the raccoon hat. They all wore raccoon hats. I thought that was Davy Crockett, yeah, yeah, they both did. All right, let's get on with it. He builds her this cabin, it's not much, but that's a it's good pretty cabin. good, you know, he puts yeah. a lot of work in it. And to show you how much he loves. His wife, now they've only been married for about a year. He learns the flathead language, which is not easy to do. And it's an anomaly because no other person that marries an, a Native American woman will take the time to learn the language. That just doesn't happen. So think about when he shows back up to the flathead reservation, there's, I mean, he can converse with them in their own Native language. And that's a huge Plus, that's a huge brownie point right there, right? Mm. All right. He stays with her, and his goal is to build her this cabin because in the wintertime, he has to go and work. He's got to provide for the family, and he does that by being a trapper. A trapper, as we'll talk about in a minute, they trap mostly beavers because in Europe at this time, the beaver hat, and it's so funny looking oh! at these freaking— I, I dive in all these old newspapers and shit— and if you look at a certain time period, there's all these little ads in the newspaper about this beaver hat. Get this beaver hat. It's you know. like the one that's like a muff yeah, around the head. Yeah, it's a top hat, but it's made of beavers. They're oh. iconic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys and, remember the show Angry Beavers? Talk about iconic. And the, no. be the beaver hat was like a like a huge fad back then, like huge. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was crazy. So you you had all these companies being built up just to do beaver hats. Literally, I mean, there was way too much demand and not enough supply. So mm. these companies hired people like John Johnson to go into this new continental USA that's never been discovered. 
because mm -hmm. we've never been there. They hire them to capture all these beavers. Okay. It's amazing how it was a very dangerous job. By how we end up capturing a different fur. kind of beaver? <laughs> <laughs> Two beavers are better uh, than one. Are you asking if the carpet matches the pubes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but it's amazing how like furs have gone so out of fashion. Where having like a big fur coat used to be so, was so mm, in style, mink. like even thirty years ago, people used to wear like literal minks around their neck. Yes, my my ever all of my aunts each have their own fur coat. Oh, my mom has my a grandma. few of them. Yeah, beaver, mink. It's kind of crazy. Right. Foxtail. John Johnson, which I'm gonna call JJ from now on. I'm gonna call JJ like Jimmy. I have Johnson. a friend named oh, JJ. I was just gonna say that. I've um, had Jimmy John's in like three months. The oh. bullshit, Jen. You eat it like every time I see you, you're eating Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is three months, my ass. I think, no, I think Jimmy John's is the every best. Every time I see you, you're eating Jimmy John's. No. It it's not been three months. Yes, it has. I will bullshit. Say, it's I, not been three months. I think, it has. I, pull out your bank card right now in your bank babe, statement. I think Jimmy John's <laughs> is the best, but you keep talking about the firehouse. Thanksgiving sandwich that I need to try because I've only had Firehouse once. I love Firehouse. They're so good. When they have a Thanksgiving sandwich now? No. I don't know. She's talking you, about the cranberry you, turkey you, yeah. that's always there. It's not Thanksgiving. I'm sure it's a November special taste. No, it's not a November special. I literally got it in July. All right. Well, All right. I need, I to, do love I need to eat that. The first winter. All right. So he JJ builds this cabin for the swan and it's all comfortable for her just to live and be a good housewife, if you will, back then, you know, and just to sustain herself while he's out running around the Rocky Mountains collecting beaver, getting all this, you know, warm beaver, this tight beaver. You know what I'm saying? Mm, maybe he's finding uh, yes. this strange beaver. <laughs> getting strange. <laughs> so um, maybe it hasn't been three months, but it definitely I did not have any Jimmy John's in October. All right, so he, the I cabin he built Jones. was tucked in. It was hidden well in the mountains, surrounded by streams and valleys. She can go down to the beaver lake. You know, she can, if there's a beaver, maybe she can wash the beaver. <laughs> you know, maybe she can get some fish. <laughs> if she has a pet beaver, she can wash the beaver, Jen. <laughs> Does she pet her, her beaver? <laughs> okay, too much beaver talk. <laughs> okay, now here, let's talk about getting murdered. All right. Oh, There's yeah. <laughs> a group of young Braves. Now, Braves, I don't think that's a... Um, the Atlanta Braves? Uh, uh, Yeah, kind of. I don't think that's really a racial term, but it wasn't saying Braves are a certain tribe of Indians. From, from my research, if you say Brave, you're talking about an Indian, a Native in American in general. Hmm. So when I say ah. a young Brave, I'm talking about an Indian because... And just in Wyoming, American. where we're at right now, you have the Chinook, you have the Sioux, you have the Flatheads, Cherokee? you have the Crows. Huh? Cherokee? The, I don't know if the Cherokee was there. I didn't see them. What but about probably. the... Um... Anyway, so I'm just going to say Braves. But there was a group of young Braves. They were from the Crow Indians. This is another little tribe. Hmm. Now, these tribes are always feuding with each other and stuff like that. So, hmm. And that's going to come into play. They actually come across this cabin. Now, this cabin is pretty well hidden in the mountains because J.J., John Johnson, did a really good job of kind of tucking it in there, right? But these are young whippersnappers, if you will. They're trying mm -hmm. to impress the chief, so they're out on a mission to kind of ransack and, and do whatever. So any goods they find, they can bring back to the chief. All right. They dismounted their horses. Now, they're probably 100 meters away. I'm using meters again. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably 100 yards away, maybe 200. They have a good vantage point over the cabin. I want to say the swan did have a rifle with her the whole time, and she would carry it when she goes out and in the house. But these young braves have been watching her for quite some time, and she actually was outside on the porch of this cabin, and she goes inside at one point. Now, what she didn't know is these Crow Indians had already dismounted. They put on war paint, and they were creeping up on her. They were just waiting for her to leave her rifle, okay, because they had bow and arrows. They didn't have rifles. Mm. As soon as she goes inside and leaves her rifle behind, that's when they move in. There's 
four or five of these Crow Indians in this little group. Now, did they know that she, like, because she didn't have a flat head, did they know that she was from a different tribe? Like, was she still, you know, did she, was she kind of Americanized? Did she wear, was she still wearing her native dress? Or, like, did they maybe think that she was one of theirs and this American took her? Like, um, That's a good question. I don't actually know if they knew or not, but... They definitely would have looked for that because they don't want to start any feuds with tribes that it doesn't have to be there. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to start shit just for some reason. But I will say the Crow Indians around this time, at least, were notorious for starting these wars and starting these fights. So they were like the instigators? They, They were the instigators, yeah. Okay. Now, there were two subsections of the Crows. I don't really want to go into that deep of the history, but... The Crow Indian tribe did branch off, so these were technically the Western Crows. I'm just going to say Crows, just to keep it simple. All right, they dismounted their horses. They applied the war paint. They wait until she's inside, and then they rush in. They surprise her. They do the worst thing you can think of. You know, mm. they, rape they rape her and everything else. They kill her. They ransack the whole place. They take everything inside besides a bronze kettle. That's the hmm. only thing they didn't take, probably because it was fucking heavy. At this time, JJ's not there. Remember, he's out trapping. For, he's out getting strange beaver. You know what I'm saying? So he's not even there. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yes? Why do I want to call those head things a muff? No, that's a muff. Muff. <laughs> muff. The, the thing where you put your arms into. All that's right, a muff. All right, muff. Why don't you read this for us? <laughs> Perhaps she saw the first freshly painted face from the moment it appeared around the corner of the cabin. Slow, pregnant, her work in her hand, she could neither escape nor fight off the warriors. Or perhaps she sensed the abros... Absaraka. Oh, Absaraka, I'm sorry. Yeah, (sighs) well, I'll I'll talk about that in a minute. Or perhaps she sensed the Absaraka only as his tomahawk was raised above... Perhaps, her sensitive nostrils dilating, she barely started to rise. A war whoop rang out over the valley. A tomahawk thudded in the back of her neck. She fell sideways off the bench. Her killer took her scalp. All right. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) All right. So we're reading tonight from The Crow Killer. I'll get into more of the book in a little bit. It's a fantastic book. Is only 200 pages, but it takes fucking forever to read, as you'll see in a minute, because the language is so hard to understand. And Jen's going to be reading a lot of it. All right. (laughs) So usually at this point, the Indians would burn the cabin altogether and they would steal everything. They would burn the cabin, leave no evidence type of thing. But they actually robbed the cabin, stole her pony and two of her horses that she had at the cabin. They leave. They're long gone. They have her scalp. And I'll talk about how... I'm going to talk about how to scalp people in a little bit. It's fucking really weird. Have you ever seen Inglorious Bastards? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's basically that. I mean, it is that. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. And all y'all will get me 100 Nazi scalps taken from the heads of 100 dead Nazis. Or you will die trying. Have you ever scalped anyone? I can't go into that, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) At the very end of Inglorious Bastards is not when they, they, not when they scalp them, but when they, they, um, carve the, they carve the swastika in the guy's forehead Mm -hmm. when he, so when he's on living in Nantucket, they all know. All right, J.J. actually returns home two weeks later. He, as we'll talk about in a little bit, is a very experienced, one of the best, and like I said, the best wildsman, woodsman ever existed. Seriously. Wait, who? J.J. J.J. Okay, the the old guy. John Johnston, yeah. So he gets about 200 yards away from the cabin. Now, he's coming back with all his beaver. He got all this beaver. He's coming back. You know, he's going to clean the beaver and all this stuff. And he's on his horse. He stops about 200 yards away. And instantly he knows something's wrong. Now, I don't know if... Such as? You can probably smell it. The smell, the silence. 
And then he looks even closer and he sees oh. what eventually he knows for a fact is human bones on the porch of the cabin he built for the swan. Oh. I'd like that he calls her his the swan. That's, that's her, her name. name. Wait, that's her first name? Oh that's her God. that's we her name. This. That's name. her name. Oh, I thought that that was just like her nickname. No, that is her name. Never mind. <laughs> it's not as romantic. Remember I now. said the the guy in the army his name was Bear's Feet? Like that's his name. <laughs> I want to see I, I you know what I haven't seen the black swan. He actually saw a vulture Thanks, John. picking at the little bit of her scalp, not scalp, but like, you know, the skin around her forehead that because yes. they cut the scalp off. There's a little skin around her forehead of her skeleton. Now, she's like almost completely skeletonized, but he sees this little. Because it's been so long since. Yeah. I mean, out died. in the dry heat and there's all there's coons getting in it and there's beavers you know, attacking her beaver and all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on with the elements. But there's this little vulture, like, picking at a little bit of the, the little that's left of the swine. At this point, he doesn't know it's the Indians. It could be anyone. It could be David Boone or Davy Boone or Davy Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that brawny guy from Any the toilet paper. Any of them. It could be anybody. But near his cabin, he picks up this long feather. The crow feather. And he knows instantly who's responsible for this murder. The murder of his wife, the swan. The one that he took the time to learn the language of her people. They killed her. Not only that, they scalped her. That's very disrespectful. He goes back inside. He grabs the one thing that these braves didn't steal, which is a large hinge kettle. that was still like hmm. sitting there, large and heavy. He grabs the bones of his wife, and what I didn't mention, which he didn't know, there's actually two sets of bones But she was there. pregnant? She was pregnant. It said that in the thingy. So he gathers up the bones of the swan and the little swan, because she was pregnant, and he didn't know that. Don't look at me, swan. <laughs> he puts the swan into the kettle, okay, and then he rides off. Now, he also puts that crow feather in there. And when he goes up a few miles into the mountains and he finds this really tight crevice in the rocks, quote from the book Crow Killer, where neither wolf nor bear could molest it. Basically, like this little tight little crack in the rocks and he puts it in there. To keep it safe. To keep it safe. Now, throughout the story, he's going to go back there and reminisce about his only wife, his only love. He never marries again. He never loves again. He gets beaver, but that's different. Now, at this point, he swears an oath of vengeance because he knows it's the crow. And he doesn't swear, I'm just going to find that one crow killer. He swears an oath of vengeance against the entire tribe. Wow. And that is some deep ass shit. Okay. Now, th it's that's on, motherfucker. That's why I showed you the pictures of JJ earlier. That's why you read the description of JJ. He's tall. Real tall, over six feet. He's brawny. He is, but he, he's old. What? No, he wasn't. He not at this point. Those oh. are just old pictures of him. Oh, okay. So at this point, he's like twenty four. Picture him, actual uh, uh, John Smith in the movie Pocahontas, not actual John Smith. John Smith was like my favorite Disney character when I went to Disney when I was like five. The, we went on the riverboat cruise and Pocahontas and John Smith were there. And John Smith held my hand and he walked me like to the boat. And it was the best. I was. That was Jen's first sexual awakening. It was in 1848 that the first news of Johnson's despoiling of the crows spread through the West. Over vast territory where the white man's campfires were few. Far from the Absaroka's own land where indeed... Wherever they hunted or traded crow warriors' bodies, and only crow warrior, warriors' bodies were found mutilated in a special fashion. Not merely scalped, but cut beneath the ribs and the livers hmm. removed. The livers removed. All right, this story this story's hard to verify because it's in the 1840s. Yeah, not, okay? not any witnesses And these are now. mountain men. It's, it's not like, you know, the story we did in Charleston where there's a whole city. This is out west where it's literally unexplored. Do you know who we need to thank for exploring all these areas all the way to California? These trappers and these mountain men. Mm -hmm. If they didn't have the guts to do it, it would have never gotten done. 
You well, they were doing it for incentive because they were getting paid. Yeah, but, but like it's very it dangerous. Was, yeah, like they could have died any day. And there was fuse with the Indians, and you were going out alone, and you come up to an Indian tribe, they kill they'll kill you right on the spot. They were risking everything, and most of them died. So these guys were these guys were street, real street. You know what I'm saying? Is yeah. that a word? Street. Well, like you don't want to fuck with they these guys. They didn't have streets back then, but like that's whatever. what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is this guy. They were forest. This guy put out. He put out his beef on the street. He said the Crow Indians. It's like an episode of The Wire. Dude, you guys don't understand. He swore this oath to kill all the Crow Indians, and he made it publicly known. And as what Nicole just read, you know how we verify this story? There's two ways we verify this story, okay? And it's not newspapers, because newspapers around this area Word didn't exist. Word of mouth from Indians? Not really, because you talk to the Crow Nation. The Crow Nation is still there. They don't have this story as part of their lexicon. They don't teach this story. This story isn't part of their history. I wonder why. Well, it's kind of embarrassing, as we'll get to. But how do you verify that this guy actually killed all these crows? Well, you have two ways. Number one, as Nicole read, the dead, mutilated crow Indian bodies spread all over the plains, okay, with that one signature thing, just like a serial killer today, he has a signature mark. The ribs are cut open, liver is taken out. One other thing, the most important thing to verify this guy's stories, the scalps. Every Crow Indian he's killed, he collected the scalps. Now, scalps back in the day would go for high prices what? in the market. People would buy scalps. For this is, is strange today. Wakes. I'm talking about the the scalp, the very circle of your head, and with an Indian, the long hair, maybe black hair, you know, long. They For would wakes? hang it in the barber shops. They'd hang it in ah. the markets. It'd be like a, a you know a sign of whatever, like a novelty item. <sighs> um, the Indians would hang it on their teepees as like a wow, you, you know, kind of a trophy. Scalps were a big business back then, and this story is verified. By the enormous amount of scalps that he sold at the markets. I have a question. Did he do this by himself or did yes. he enlist the help of the of the Flathead Indians? That's a good question. We'll get to in just a second. There were times when he was with other witnesses, which verified a lot of these accounts. Because as a trapper, you may run into another trapper and then you guys converse and maybe do a bonfire and get some beaver and drink some whiskey and you talk about all these stories and then, an, you know, a crow Indian or a whoever Indian would sneak up and you would kill him. Okay, that was one way that the witnesses told of John Johnston. Jen, Nicole, tell me how many people John Johnston has killed in his career. Now, he was he swore vengeance to the crow Indian nation. Now, keep in mind, he's a trapper, which we'll talk about in a second. But he, his job was to capture grizzly bear and beavers. His job wasn't to kill crow Indians. So how many Indians did you think he killed in his lifetime? 23. 150. On his deathbed, which we'll talk about in a little bit, in 1900 is when he died. Okay. He was really upset at himself because... He didn't hit the 1300 mark. He was at 1299. But that is highly inflated numbers. What? Okay. That is just him bragging. I don't want to give credit to him for that. In fact, historians today only think he's killed between three and 400. <laughs> that is an awfully large margin of error, first of all. Three to 400. He's no, killed. Three. Singular in four hundred or three hundred to four hundred. They believe he's killed well, three hundred to four hundred somewhere in the probably three seventy by himself. I'm going to the showcase. Now it's really crazy that we don't hear about this guy John Johnson, and we hear about all these other assholes, but this guy has such a unique quality because all these Crow Indians were found laying without their liver. And if you're a Crow Indian, mm -hmm. the liver is what gets you to the afterlife. And he knows oh. that. It's like the same thing 
when the whole thing with the seals came out and they threw um, Osama bin, threw Laden, Osama bin Laden over the sea because yeah. for a, a you know a Muslim, Muslim. you got to be buried. Okay, so if you're in the sea, you, you ain't can, getting to your that soul afterlife. can never exactly. be at rest. The same way with the Crow Indians, if you ain't got your liver, then you ain't getting up in there in heaven. Not only that, but tonight we are not only talking about John Johnson because no one knows him by John Johnson. But if you type in the name John Johnson, the first thing you'll see is <laughs> I don't know what you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you'll see there's there's a lot of Johnsons and a lot of Beavers no, no, <laughs> and Google, a lot of Johns. Google would ask, did you mean? Liver eating Johnston? Oh, really? Because all of them livers he ate. <laughs> he ate but all it, of them. It's livers. good fat, good protein. And that's okay. that's why a lot of the Indians were so afraid of this guy because they thought the livers he was eating was making him fucking crazy and like superhuman, and he was killing all these Indians. So they actually called him at Dipiak. Absaroka, I don't know if that sounds right or not, but that translates to crow killer. He is the crow killer. Okay, the crow Indians, and he is their killer. Now let's talk a little bit about JJ. I'm just going to run through this. Quote from the book Crow Killer, Pair of paws as big as a half bushel of mountain wheat. With one turn, he could twist off an Indian's neck. So much so, he had to use extreme care when he was hugging friends, because he was so burly, when he would hug a friend, he'd like, he, yeah, he'd rip them to shreds, right? Now, a thing about John Johnson is he did use a rifle, the Hawken rifle, but his main weapon was his foot. He loved to kick, okay? Hmm. That's how he would literally he kill people. he had like steel toe boots or I something? I love to kick, All right. stretch, and kick. I'm 50. 50 years old. Throughout his life, he was able to set up each opponent for the kill by the means of one powerful kick. He'd rather kick someone to death than anything. Some say that this enabled him to kill two Indians at the same time. And a lot of times he was going up against four or five Indians. He would set up these ambushes and he would basically pick off these Indians one by one. He never backed down. He never refused the challenge. All right, let me explain trappers right quick. Let me explain his job. The mountain men were fatalists. An arrow accounted for one, a grizzly for another. One was killed in an idle brawl. Another froze to death or starved beside his partner on the salt plains. A contemporary reports the outcome. One partner, the weaker, hands his knife to the other, saying, according to the survivor, Stick me between the ribs, old coon. It ain't no use for both of us to crash in. When you gets back to camp, tell Long John where my carcass be. The crow killer strode to the feedlot where he had left his horse and where the owner had regaled the curious with traditional tales of that big black exploits. How he had walked guard while his master slept, how he hated Indians and could send them afar, how no man but his master could approach within the kicking or biting distance of him. A crowd gathered to watch the powerful animal nuzzle of the red-bearded giant, then stand docile as the liver-eater saddled him liver and tied his purchases. Without glance around Johnson Mountain, placed the Hawkins across the saddle and rode away. The black noise pointed towards the west. Wonder where... Uh, wonder where he goes. Where <laughs> you can bet there's crows and he knows it. He's on a death trail. <laughs> what the fuck? What that translates to is wherever... <laughs> wherever you're kidding. Where is he going? Where's he going? He's on a death trail. I don't know. That book is hard as shit he's, to read, dude. He's about to go get when I picked killed. Up, when I picked up this book, I was like, sweet. It's only 200 pages because usually a true crime book is like 350 at least. I'm like, sweet. And then it took me just. It's a short it one. It took me like twice uh, as long to read it. Google Translate. All right. Let's talk about the first crow kill. This is right after the event. About a couple weeks after. 50 crow Even after Indians, his wife is dead. Yeah, after the swan is dead. Wow. 50 crow Indians ride out. Now, their goal is to trade a bunch of horses with the flatheads. Now, it's important to know the strategy and is very much similar to the military strategy that I learned so well. You have a group of 50 crow Indians yeah. traveling in a pack. That's your that's your center mass right there. That's where all the that's your heart of your your patrol, your convoy, if you will. So in order to 
keep that convoy safe, you have to send out scouts. And that's is literally the job of a scout. One or two scouts goes out front, a couple miles up front, and kind of scans the area and makes sure the convoy is good enough to continue going and pass through whatever area. You also have a few scouts in the back. Now, that's how they traveled even back then, which is really interesting. Would you rather be the first one, be the first scout, or would you be, rather be the last one in the back? I mean, they're both really important. Any good military would have both because there could be an enemy sneaking back up on Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, if like those are both essential and dangerous positions, so which one would you rather be, the first one or the last one where you have no one to cover your back? I mean, I'd rather have the most actions of the first one, I guess. Fuck, I don't know. I, first, I was going to say the last one, but I would rather be the first one because I'd be more in, like, control. Last I'd rather one, be in the middle. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do either. I'd probably just be no, texting the No, I'd probably the rather be the first one. I'd texting. probably be playing Angry Birds. <laughs> Words of Friends. <laughs> oh, hey, man. Do, do you know a seven-letter word <laughs> that okay, uses these letters? How can I make this triple word score work here? But, all right, so here's the thing I really want you guys to understand about this, about how how insanely great of a woodsman he is because you don't just know the strategies like this, right? You don't know that Indians would have these scouts, but John Johnson knew and he was keeping an eye on the entire convoy. He was behind them and the scouts, the scouts behind the convoy didn't see, they didn't see JJ, but JJ saw them. And he would get into a vantage point where he would see everything because they were in the mountains, right? Mm -hmm. He was an incredible woodsman. Incredible. Which is crazy why you don't hear this story very often because this is a fantastic story. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you think of the American image, like the John Waynes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that image is manufactured from these mountain men because you have to be a badass to be a mountain man. That's where that image came from. That's why people in other countries see Americans as all these badasses and these, you know, big burly guys because there's multiple times where he was literally fighting bears. You have to be burly as shit to do that. So these guys created the image of the burly American. It's kind of crazy to think about. Anyway. And it's it's crazy how that image has persisted. And it's all because of beaver hats. Literally. That's it. No, I'm serious. That's the reason why these guys were out there. For beaver hats. It's Mm -hmm. fucking crazy. It was like the Bitcoin of back then. It was like everything. It was so fucking popular. Whatever happened to Bitcoin? <laughs> we lost our money. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, really? so I wasn't talking about us in particular. I was talking about like in general. Uh, oh, I don't is know. it still going? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's back up to like 10000 To buy in? $10,000, yeah. JJ spies on this entire camp. Now, we're talking about the first crow kill. You know, he's about to get his beaver wet. <laughs> <laughs> We're, <laughs> we're talking about the. It's like her neck is. She just like can't react. Uh, <laughs> like my neck. Jen, we're talking about the first crow kill. Jen, we're talking about the first crow kill right here. He's seeing all these crows. Oh, now, I thought you were gonna say beavers. Once they get in for the night, because they're traveling days and days and days, they're actually going to see the flatheads, which is kind of fucked up because. Those young whippersnappers done scalped the swan, which was a flathead. But they're going to see the flatheads because they trade horses and stuff like that. Those two-time and backstabbing crows. <laughs> well, they're the going to cr- go act like they have never done anything against these flatheads so that they can trade with them. The crows are notorious for being, you know, like the bullies. They would start fights with everyone. Right, the instigators. The instigators. J.J. followed them to the camp. He has a great vantage point, and they're all, like, relaxing. And I don't want to bring this up, but it's really funny. During this time, the Americans, these woodsmans, introduced the Indian people to one of the most dangerous things ever that literally ruined the Indians. Alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) They can't handle fucking alcohol at all. I think it's like... (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we were talking about earlier. Like, I think it's a legitimate allergic reaction. It was illegal. And I've seen it in many newspaper articles that I was looking at. It was a felony to give an Indian any alcohol. A felony. Because what, <laughs> because they can't fucking handle it. <laughs> well, was it because, like, they never had it until yeah. we... we get, introduced it to them. And they didn't know how to deal with it. Any sort of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. They didn't... They just fucking They never crazy. made their own, right? So they smoke shit, It was sure. illegal in America at that time to give an Indian alcohol. Fucking crazy. Anyway, he waited till they were camping out, drinking whiskey and stuff, you know, waiting for dawn... Or is it daybreak? Whatever. Same oh, thing. I was like, is yeah. that a waiting for him? the sun to come up to, <laughs> waiting for the sun to come up to continue, so they can go trade. He gets so close to this tribe and they don't even see him, but he waits for the sentry, which is the scout, you know, going back and forth because there's always some a sentry walking around the camp, mm-hmm. right? He waits for the sentry to come walking back. JJ is off his horse and everything. His horse is about a mile back. He kind of. Put it over there. And he pulls out his rifle. He's like, ah, fuck, it's going to make too much noise. All right. And he pulls out his big ass Bowie knife, the one you saw in the picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's where you got the David Bowie thing. Yeah. And he's like, ah, fuck, this is going to make too much noise. Then the sentry walks right by him, doesn't even see him. He picks up this this stone that is referred to in the Crow Killer book as a small pumpkin-sized stone. And he waits to the the uh, Crow Indian sentry walks a little bit past. And now all the other Indians are hooting, hollering. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! They have none the wiser that this is going on. JJ takes that stone and plow, throws it right in the back of that sentry's head. Like a shot Ooh, put. That brave's head, shot put right in the back. Boom! Knocks him unconscious. Wow. You know what, guys? We didn't pop- carve pumpkins this year. Yeah, I know. I know. Some half hour later, his horse saddled and ready for the trail, Johnson bent over the unconscious warrior. He seized the greased scap lock, ran the point of his bow around its base, placed his moccasined foot on the victim's head, and snapped off the scalp. Oh. Observing that a tremor ran through the brave's body, he swiftly swept his blade across his throat. He is unconscious, but he scalps him first. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little later, but here's how you scalp someone, Jen, because you can't just be like carving. You know, like you're carving a pumpkin. Okay. You push him on the ground. Now, this this brave is unconscious. He's on the ground. He picks up his hair. You know, he's mm-hmm. got a long Indian hair. And he makes, with his bowie knife, a circle, kind of cutting in, trying to make a good circle. And you got to lift the hair up a little bit because you got to get around the back, you know. And you kind of just make that full circle. But now it just doesn't just pop off like, you know. So what you do is you lay the brave the Indian, the victim or whatever, on the side, on his like left side. Then you put your left foot, you stamp it right down on his like side of his head, his temple, right? And then you take the hair and you just kind of wedge it back. like, And it makes this kind of like ripping sound as it rips off. And then it comes off slowly and there's that slimy blood still sticking there. And then you get the scalp. Now... <laughs> You, you want to immediately, if it's daytime especially, you want to turn the scalp over because you're going to carry it with you and put it on your belt. But you want it kind of You want to dry up. the stuff. You want it dried. So you want the blood side to be up towards the sun. So keep that in mind, Jen, next time you scalp someone. So that's what he did. <laughs> now, he cut this guy's throat. Now, this guy's dead. All the other Indians are whooping and hollering. Whoop, 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 whoop. They have none the wiser. They don't know this guy's dead. He looks down. This brave is wearing a rawhide belt, and he's got a scalp on there. And he looks at it. It looks like a white woman's scalp. He pulls it off. But wait, it's got this long black hair. It's the scalp of the swan. The first crow he killed is the exact crow, in coincidence, that killed his wife. All right. Whoa. At that How the did first you know? one. That's good for you him. Would, you would think that that would stop the rest of his killing, but apparently three it, to four hundred more. I told you this was a story about Liver Eaton Johnston. But this is actually the how turning point. did he know point. it was hers? I didn't want to say this, but you know, we're talking about Liver Eaton Johnson, but 
he didn't care about eating livers and anything else. He was just going to kill all these crows. But this is the turning point where he has just lost his fucking mind, what the Indians would say. He just went crazy because he just saw his the swan scalp. Then he just fucking goes crazy and just cuts right into that brave and just slits him open. And then he just eats the liver, probably out of just a rampage type of thing. He knows how much the liver means to these people. And that's when he kind of went crazy, if you will. Most of the Indians will say that eating the liver was toxic and it made him even more crazy, which is why he killed all these other Indians. I want to say it's very important that the Crow Indians were embarrassed that he killed so many of them. You understand why? <laughs> because one guy is killing all your fucking people and they're eating their livers. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But a second glance told Johnson that the trophy had not been torn from the head of a white woman. He ran his fingers through the coarse black tresses. As he looked closer, something familiar caught his experienced eye. And in that instant, in the clear light of dawn, the liver eater knew certainly that in this, the beginning of his greatest effort against his enemies, he had met and killed the murderer of his wife. Mm. Yeah, so here, read this, Nicole. This is why I said that this was the first liver he consumed because he saw his love of his life, the swan, her scalp, and he just went crazy. Drawing his bowie knife from its sheath, the liver eater stooped quickly and made a deep incision beneath the slain foe's ribs. Inserting his hand, he felt for a liver, grasped it, and wrenched it free. Expertly, he ran his thumb and forefinger along the blade of his knife and replaced it in its sheath. Blood dripped from its beard as he rode away to the northwest, skirting the ravine. What he does, he takes a scalp, he eats the liver, and then he rustles up all the horses. Because remember, there's 50 crow Indians, there's 50 horses. So he rustles up a bunch of rocks and just scares the spooks the horses. And the horses, nay, nay. And they all start spreading out. And then John, JJ, nay. JJ, li- <laughs> JJ, like, lets out a whelp, like, Wee-hoo-hoo-hoo! the Indians get scared and they all start scattering because their horses go everywhere. He basically kills this one guy, cuts his neck, and scatters the horses. Now, these Crow Indians are running around trying to capture all these horses. It's like 2 in the morning, okay? That gives him chance to get away because they're going to see that dead body, and they're going to see the liver out of him. They ain't going to find the liver because it's digesting in Johnson's stomach. Now, that gives him time to get away on his horse. Not only that, he knows that they're going to see the flatheads. He bypasses them. Because they're all trying to get their horses back, figure out what's going on. He's about a day ahead of them now. He winds up at the Flatheads, and he rolls in there like a motherfucking hoss. And they all love and know him. He's wearing the crow garb. You saw the, you know, when you said the wolf was on his head, that's the Uh, crow, or excuse me, that's the uh, Flathead garb. He's wearing that. He goes straight to the sub-chief, and he says, here's, look at this. And he shows them the scalp. And uh-huh. entangles it with the crow scalp. And he gives it to the chief. That was kind of the language. Because if he just gave the scalp of the flathead, you know, he'd be like, what the fuck? Why'd yeah, like, you kill my daughter? Why'd you kill your wife? But he entangled it with the hair of the crow scalp. So that they knew, so that, that, they knew that the crow exactly. killed her. Okay. Exactly. And then so, he killed the crow. Exactly. Okay. So now the whole flathead tribe. Mm-hmm has prepared for war. Now, I was reading a little bit into it. The crows were very vicious. So think of the crows as like the Spartans, right? So 50 crows could kill probably 300 flathead Indians. They had to get an entire tribe to prepare for this battle. There are 50. 49 come to trade tomorrow, said the crow killer. The old chief's voice came like the soughing of the wind in the late autumn. My warriors will be ready. We will trade death. We will count coup on these crows. The two arose from the buffalo robe. The pe- <laughs> I told you it's fucking hard, dude. The Pinnock uh, at the, the, Soroka, they yeah. call you, my son, said Bear's Head. You have already avenged my daughter. My warriors will do so for me. He clasped his own two hands together in gesture of parting. All right, so guys, let's finish this up. Just remember... A lot of it is not documented because there was no one to document it. But 
what was documented was all the crow scalps that he brought to market. The first 20 crow scalps, history is pretty much lost. J.J. actually never discussed his strategy before he died in killing these crows. But like the first one, he would get them one by one, ambush or whatever. Now, he has killed four or five at one time. Remember, he has a rifle, but it's one of those gunpowder and ball and load type of rifles. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So you got to, it's not like you got 20 shells up in that bitch. You got to reload it every time. Okay. So we're wrapping this up. I didn't know this was going to be this long, but I do want to point out some few things. On February 24th, 1864, the army actually begged him to join you know, during his trapping and stuff like that. So he could fight because he was such an experienced woodsman. And he did. And he stayed about a year in the army. That's why he was buried. Or that's why he died actually in the veterans hospital. Okay. Mm. Now I want to talk a little bit real quick about his mentor. John Hatcher was the one that kind of taught him how to be so ruthless, if you will. And this is actually from the book Crow Killer and from the words of Hatcher before he died. He talked about the bear attack that almost killed him, not J.J., but Hatcher. Now, Hatcher was the mentor. Keep that in mind. But there was a huge grizz, grizzly bear. They called it grizz in the book. And they were trying to get the fur. But the grizzly bear had cubs, and she was pissed. She was running right at Hatcher, the mentor of J.J. Hatcher takes that rifle and does the ball and and Mm gunpowder, shoots it, bow, but it just pissed the grizzly off. Then he actually has time to do it again, shoots it again and pisses the grizzly off. Now, this is what makes J.J. so fucking ruthless, if you will. J.J. runs in between right where the bear is about to maul his mentor Hatcher to death. Literally, tear his head wide open, blood spurting everywhere. About five feet away, J.J. jumps in. At this point, J.J. is in between the bear and Hatcher. The bear takes his mighty paw and goes for that first swing. And it almost hits J.J. by an inch. But he ducks, and I can just picture this shit in slow motion. He ducks. The paw goes right over his head probably cuts a little bit of that red hair off. And in slow motion, he's squatted down and he grabs that Bowie knife and he comes back up and he sticks that knife right in the bear's heart. Whoa. Exactly. Hatcher credited Johnson with the presence of mind. Smart trick, said the old trapper as Johnson drew him in the tree. Leave the blade in the all bar. Bar, bar. Leave the blade at the end. The bar, the bleeding side. And that barrel bleeding side. In the side. barrel, sorry. In the barrel bleeding side. So I, the, the whole story, guys, is I want you to know that JJ John Johnson was a literal badass. Yeah. And no one has ever heard of this story. In fact, it's so fucking crazy that they haven't. Now he actually died in nineteen. 19- well, he actually died twice, if you will. I found a newspaper article. It was oh. very fucking crazy. From like 1864, it was an obituary for him, but he wasn't dead yet. I I haven't really researched why they put out an obituary for him, Hmm. but it was just like a false thing. I don't know. There was a huge mess up or something. But his health did start to fail in 1895, and he actually died of just being naturally old. Mm -hmm. And after he killed all these Indians and stuff like that. Now, eventually, he did go back and make ties with the Crow Indians and basically— Said, hey, because at this point, you know, it's a new generation of the crows and stuff like that. And they all thought he was the boogeyman. And he actually went back and said, you know, I'm I'm taking down my vengeance. I'm getting older and stuff like that. So they kind of did settle it. Sorry, I killed all your friends. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My bad. According to the Veterans Administration record, Johnston... John, also known as John Johnston, entered the Veterans Hospital in December. One month later to the day on January 21st, 1990, he died. What do you guys think about John Johnston? Wow. I mean, the number, it's it's, it's quite the romantic revenge story, honestly. Yeah, like, this is one of the stories where I was, like, not that mad at the killer, you know? But, like, also, it's kind of excessive to, like, Vigilante justice. Yeah. Just, it's a little excessive, you know. It's a smidge. 
a lot of the historians don't believe any of the this these accounts. Oh, kind of like urban legend type of thing. Urban legend, and because you have people like um, I can't want to say David Bowie, <laughs> <laughs> David Boone, Davy Crockett. You have people like um, Davy Crockett, David Crockett, Daniel Boone, Daniel Boone. All these people. Well, not Daniel Boone per se, but um, uh, Buffalo Bill. I know was one. They would actually go and do these shows, and actually John Johnson did travel and tell of his, you know, adventures and getting money from, you know, people that pay. So he did probably exaggerate some stuff, like when he said he killed 1,300 people, 1,300 Indians. But historians actually claim that he's only killed 300 to 400, which is fucking crazy Mm -hmm. in itself. Unfortunately, a lot of the stories just aren't there because they were never recorded. But I hope you guys got a sense of how he would kill. Yeah. You know, I, I think I did it pretty good justice yeah. there. But I don't know. That's my that's my liver-eating story. You, you guys wanted to do a cannibal story. Hell I really yeah. didn't want to do too gruesome. I kind of wanted to, you know, relax a little bit on that. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our beaver, go to talkmore.com slash join me. Become a Talkos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk More to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. Until next time. Beaver, I just met her.